Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Emphasizing Karen because being named Karen is sort of a racist thing these days. And I'm proud of being named Karen. It's been my name since 1962. I'm a little offended that it's become a thing. Anyway, we've talked about catching bad guys by using a likeness drawn by a sketch artist. It's sort of unreliable. It's based on what the eyewitness or victim saw and then some guy that actually has to draw it. It's got to be difficult. I actually wanted to be one of those courtroom artists that drew everything in the courtroom, but that's really difficult too. In fact, one courtroom artist actually made Tom Brady, who's now the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks, ugly. (laughs) So we've also talked about catching a bad guy like 74-year-old Joseph D'Angelo. Remember the former police officer? He pled guilty to being the Golden State Killer, a serial rapist and murderer who terrorized California from the 1970s through the 80s. They couldn't catch him. They couldn't find him. Well, he confessed to a string of rapes and murders only after he was caught using DNA profiling from ancestry websites, which eventually helped to identify him as the Golden State Killer. So I talk about that in episode 21, DNA genealogy match nabs another suspected serial killer. But this episode of Full Rigor, I'm going to talk about an even more fascinating technology using DNA. Yes, you can use a suspect sketch But what if you don't know what the suspect looks like? I mean, you don't have anybody who saw the suspect's face. Well, I compare it with the National Hurricane Center's ability to predict and forecast a storm before it even forms in the Atlantic. They can say it's going to pop up here just east of the Bahamas. And they can base this prediction on all the information that they gather from their Hurricane Hunter aircraft, from the temperature of the water, from the winds, and the upper level steering currents. All of these contributing factors are basically the DNA of a hurricane. And they're able to establish a cone of concern and everything. Well, DNA evidence is often used by police departments around the country to solve crimes. However, one company has taken DNA analysis a step further, like the Hurricane Center. It's Parabon Snapshot DNA Phenotyping, which is the prediction of the physical appearance of a suspect from their DNA. Your DNA is basically a roadmap to who you are. It will tell your eye color, your hair color, your skin color. It's all predetermined in your DNA, and Snapshot reads tens of thousands of genetic variants or genotypes from a DNA sample and uses that information to predict what an unknown person looks like. I mean, this process would certainly help with the story that I covered today, actually, from St. Petersburg, Florida. It popped up on our newswire. Florida police investigating after a decomposing human head was found by a woman jogging along a road in St. Petersburg. There was a head on the shoulder of the road. Look, a head in the road. Authorities have not been able to determine the age, gender, or ethnicity of the dead head But they could run the DNA through the Parabon Snapshot DNA phenotyping system and determine what color the eyes are and what this person might look like and maybe get a positive ID. In fact, police in St. Petersburg are asking anybody with information to contact them soon, or they might be able to use this Snapshot DNA phenotyping to determine the deadhead's facial features. The human head weighs eight pounds. Thanks, Ray, from Jerry (laughs) McGuire. 
DNA evidence is often used by police departments around the country to solve crimes. However, the DNA analysis takes it a step further, and Parabon Snapshot offers DNA phenotyping service, which provides a report for authorities, including a composite profile sketch of the suspect. DNA phenotyping is predicting a person's appearance or their biogeographic ancestry just from DNA. Amazing, right? So how does it work? Snapshot takes a DNA sample, reads the tens of thousands of genetic variants in it to make the prediction of someone's appearance. This is Ellen McRae Graytech from Parabon Nanolab. Snapshot actually generates new information from that DNA, tells us more about that person, things that the police couldn't have known before. Well, DNA phenotyping is the prediction of their physical appearance from DNA, so it's not going to know tattoos, it's not going to know weight, it's not going to know maybe a particular mole or even a facial scar. But it will be able to give you a pretty good snapshot of what the person looks like. And it can be used to generate leads in cases where there are no suspects or database hits to narrow the suspect list and help solve human remains cases like the head in the road. So over the last four years, Parabon, using their deep data mining and algorithms, with the funding support from the U.S. Department of Defense, developed their snapshot forensic DNA phenotyping system, which can accurately predict genetic ancestry, eye color, hair color, skin color, freckling, and face shape in individuals from any ethnic background, even individuals of mixed ancestry. So Snapshot has been used by hundreds of law enforcement agencies around the world to help generate leads and has actually led to arrests. And it narrows the suspect pool and solves human remains cases in both active and decades old investigations. So it helps in cold cases. And with the help of Parabon Snapshot, the Davie Police Department in Broward County right here in Florida solved a seven year old sexual battery case. This is so interesting. It happened November 26th and 2010. Davy police responded to Robbins Lodge on Hiatus Road after a woman called to report that she had been raped in broad daylight and detectives were able to collect DNA evidence swabs in her rape kit. But their search on several databases showed no DNA match. So the rapist was not in CODIS. And Davy police even created one of the first ever John Doe arrest warrants, hoping to locate the suspect. The case went cold, but detectives didn't forget about it. So Davy police learned about Parabon Snapshot and contracted the company for their DNA phenotyping service. They sent Parabon the DNA and then Parabon sent back a sketch that included a prediction of the suspect's skin color, eye color, and hair color. All brown, by the way. Once police received the snapshot composite in December of 2017, they went back to the crime scene at Robbins Lodge and canvassed the area. They were able to figure out who the suspect was. Once we got that comparison, it said that it was a chance of one in 400 billion that it's that individual. So that's Major Dale Engel with the Davie Police Department. And the suspect was identified as... Hugo Grion Polanco and Polanco was arrested December 28, 2017. And according to police, he denied his involvement, but the DNA matched. Based on the information that they had and what was provided by Parabon as far as the color of his hair, the color of his eyes, the color of his skin to a great degree, the facial features in the photograph that they provided with the person that was sitting in front of us. This was our guy. So he was charged and convicted of sexual battery, battery and kidnapping. So that was an extremely exciting case for the Davie Police Department using this technology. 
So the Parabon snapshot technology has been helpful, particularly in cases where there may be an illegal migrant involved, where they have no paperwork and they can just leave the country. They've actually been able to bring people back to our country from Mexico after they've used this technology. You can put a face where none existed before. You can exclude people. Like the wrong eye color. One time police were hot on the trail for somebody that they thought was a migrant with brown hair and brown eyes. And it turns out then when they did the Parabon snapshot, the suspect was a white guy with blue eyes. Totally changed the whole trajectory of the case and redirected the investigation. So how much does it cost? So the basic plan where Parabon offers basic facial phenotyping for the hair and eye color, along with its genealogy assessment, that's 1500 bucks. More advanced package includes facial morphology costs an additional 2100 bucks and some police departments end up paying four to five thousand dollars in total per case to figure out who done it but if you really want to consider it it's totally worth the money and it's cost effective i mean it's pretty accurate especially with things that are not impacted by environmental factors like eye hair and skin color So it's like an iris scan or a fingerprint. A DNA profile can uniquely identify an individual with a very high degree of accuracy. And and scientists and artists don't know details like how a suspect wears his or her hair parted in the middle or on the side. But they can create a composite, a composite sketch from the DNA with enough detail to possibly spark a memory in a victim or a potential eyewitness. Oh, yeah, there was a guy hanging around the scene of the crime that looked just like this guy, but his hair was parted in the middle. Or, that's him! Ultimately, the snapshot can help narrow down a pool of suspects to perhaps just one person. It's almost like the DNA is the witness describing to the artist what it saw. Once again, DNA, the silent witness. So this podcast now, Shifting Gears, is going to be sort of a potpourri of ideas. Uh, We're going from our snapshot DNA technology to some supermodels making news. And the first supermodels live in Broward County in Pembroke Pines. And you might recall Nikki Taylor. She was one of the supermodels. She was one of the big ones on 300 magazine covers, youngest ever on Vogue. She started modeling at 14. She was a supermodel that looked like a woman, not a heroine chic model. She was very squeaky clean and all American looking. They called her baby Cindy because she looked a lot like Cindy Crawford, except she's blonde and she does have the mole over the lip. The American fashion model best known as the face of cosmetics company cover girl. She also had her sister Chrissy, who was born in 1978. Uh, She died in 1995 in their Pembroke Pines home of a mysterious death. They both walked the runways for the world's top fashion houses, including Chanel, Givenchy. They were featured in more than 400 magazine covers together. So Nikki Taylor, she was born on March 5th, 1975 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And then came along Chrissy Taylor. She was two years younger. Unfortunately, she died suddenly the night of July 2nd, 1995. Nikki came home to her parents' house to pick up her car and found her 17-year-old sister collapsed in the foyer. And she was pronounced dead about an hour and a half later at the hospital. Shocked and surprised. Those are the reactions tonight to the death of 17-year-old Chrissy Taylor. You never know, really. I mean, losing a best friend, not only blood, but a best friend. I mean, (laughs) she's just not here anymore. I think that's the biggest part. I can't call her, ask her for advice. 
Yeah. Every day. It's, I, I always think about her and I'm constantly, you know, why? So that's Nikki Taylor, and she was devastated by her sister's death. The first they thought it was from asthma, and she was using an over-the-counter inhaler, primatine mist, and had never actually been diagnosed with asthma. That's what they thought the cause of death was, asthma. But no, the Broward County Medical Examiner, our friend with the lump on his head, Dr. Joshua Perper, finally determined what the actual cause of Chrissy Taylor's death was. He concluded that Chrissy died of a rare heart disease called right ventricular dysplasia that can cause sudden death in adolescents and young adults. The family now believes that this was the primary cause of Chrissy Taylor's death. And Nikki Taylor said that because the family didn't want to talk about Chrissy's death, the media just ran wild with speculation and said that she died from a drug overdose. Well, there was no alcohol or illegal drugs in her system. There was no evidence of an eating disorder, but the media speculation ran wild like it does. But for a while, the -the over-the-counter asthma drug Primatine Mist was under the microscope. It contained the product epinephrine, which raises blood pressure and increases the heartbeat while relaxing muscles in the bronchial tubes. It also contained fluorocarbons, so it would make it airborne, and that too can cause increased heart rate. So it was used by many people, and only three deaths were associated with it. But the autopsy, as I said, from Joshua Perper showed fine scarring on one area of Chrissy's heart, a common result of reduced blood supply that can be caused by shortness of breath, according to the ME. It is my perception, he said, that Kristen was not aware that it could be taken only after a physician's diagnosis. I don't believe she was aware of the risks of Primatine Mist. The maker of Primatine Mist defended the product as safe if it was used properly. And statistically, the likelihood of somebody dying from asthma is very low. And by the way, Primatine Mist is still sold today. It's the only FDA-approved over-the-counter asthma inhaler for temporary relief of mild symptoms of asthma. So following Chrissy's death, Nikki developed an addiction to prescription drugs, which she revealed as her way of dealing with losing her best friend. Then Taylor's career and almost her entire life was cut short in 2001, when at age 26, she was involved in a near-fatal car accident. She actually got married when she was 19, had twin boys, and then she got into this car wreck in 2001. She was the only one injured in the car. The accident happened in Atlanta. She underwent 40 operations, extensive physical therapy to recover from it. Her liver was lacerated. It was like cut in half. She lost 80% of her blood, and she would not be here today were it not for blood donations. The human body is just amazing. It heals itself. I mean, for the liver to regenerate itself. So I learned a lot. You know, if it weren't for the blood, I wouldn't be here. If it weren't for those donors, I, I wouldn't be here. So Nikki's friend told the police that he lost control of the car near downtown Atlanta. He was actually looking for his cell phone while he was exiting, and he hit the pole. He was given a ticket for striking a stationary object. I like how when people hit a pole, they say, oh, it jumped out in front of me. Uh, And he also did not have proof of insurance, but police said that they did not suspect drugs or alcohol contributed to the accident. But the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says distracted driving causes one quarter of the nation's 6.3 million annual automobile accidents. Cannot use your phone while you're driving. And by the way, Nikki's dad was an FHP trooper. 
So Nikki Taylor now lives in Tennessee with her four children. So she had the two kids when she was 19, and then she married NASCAR driver Bernie Lamar, who's like a lot shorter than she is. But you might recall that she was also the girlfriend of country music singer Keith Urban and was actually featured in his music video, Somebody Like You. After they split up, of course, Keith Urban went on to marry Nicole Kidman, who actually was dumped by Tom Cruise. And then Nikki Taylor went on to marry NASCAR driver Bernie Lamar. And the potpourri of the Full Rigger podcast continues with yet another supermodel. Well, she wasn't a supermodel. She was a model in New York. A case where her face was slashed. He had two men waiting for me with razor blades and... When I, I just, I, the minute I saw them, I knew something was off. So, okay, this is not a Florida case, but it's along the supermodel model lines of weird stuff. Her name was Marla Hansen, and her face was slashed while she was outside of a midtown Manhattan bar by two men that her landlord hired to slash her face because she dared ask him for her deposit back, and she also rejected his sexual advances. Shame. Well, Marla Hansen was a striving but little-known model, but very pretty, until her face was slashed with a razor blade outside that West Side bar in 1986. She said during her testimony against her landlord that their hands went straight for my face. They pushed me down, she said, demonstrating before the jury how she was shoved onto the couch against a wall and her face held in a position by one man while the other one stood over her with a razor. She said, I felt a stinging My God. And then she said, I thought maybe they were spraying something into my eyes or face. The taller man started moving his hands back and forth. She said this whole thing went on forever, that it went on for like a minute and a half. She said she started to scream. I felt like I was screaming. I ran toward the light into the back of the bar. There she was given towels for her bleeding face. They told her to sit down, take a few deep breaths, not to look in the mirror. And her wounds were treated later at the Metropolitan Hospital, required nearly 150 stitches. Just unbelievable. So her landlord, who was 28 at the time, Stephen Roth, was charged with first-degree assault and said by prosecutors to have hired the two men to cut Hansen's face because she demanded that he pay back money he owed her from the apartment security deposit and because she rejected his sexual advances. He was sentenced to up to 15 years in prison. And then after serving 15 years, he got out and get this. He worked as an assistant to a plastic surgeon that lived in the city where Marla grew up. Very weird. At the time she had her face cut and she was his tenant, he was a makeup artist in New York. Then the other men, Stephen Bowman, who was 26, and Darren Norman, who was 19, both from Queens, were charged with assault, and they were tried together in a separate trial, and they were found guilty given 5 to 15 years for the actual slashing. But it took years for Hanson to recover psychologically from this thing. I mean, I just would have been freaked out. Finally, she got the best advice from one therapist. Who you are is gone. And the sooner you let go of that and start to rebuild something new, the faster you recover. So that's, um, if someone had told me that earlier on, I think it would have saved me a lot of years in therapy. Yeah, because of the scars, she no longer had an agent and she worked a little bit as a model since the attack. But today she is a victim's advocate. You go girl. Well, that wraps up Full Rigor. Check me out on Instagram, Full Rigor Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Until next time. Peloton, let's go. 
this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.